so there was a bar mitzvah, and uh, people brought gifts. And there were a bunch of uh, cards with checks, and uh, the parents were running around at the bar mitzvah. They didn't know what to do with the, the envelopes full of money and checks. So they, uh, the rabbi was standing there. They figured, oh, rabbi, you know, rabbi is a trustworthy person. So they said, rabbi, can you hold on to our son's bar mitzvah checks? He said, sure, no problem. Um, after the bar mitzvah, they couldn't find the checks. And they were very, like, they felt very awkward maybe the rabbi pocketed it and they didn't want to ask him because he felt it was rude like a week later the father saw the rabbi walking down the street and he says hey how are you doing and the father's sort of like acting awkward so the rabbi says is there something wrong he says listen rabbi we don't want to say you know we don't suspect you or anything but um, we handed you all the money all the checks and we can't find them and uh, the rabbi says to the father, let me ask you, you're a mitzvah boy. He puts on tefillin every day? He says, of course. He says, I put the checks in the tefillin back. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's funny or it's tragic or yeah. kind of tragic. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gallows humor. Yeah. A bit of galachta. So, this week's Pasha, Pasha's Voschanan, we have, uh, have Shema. And in the Shema, Shema, Vyohafta, we have the mitzvah. Actually, I should say properly two mitzvahs. In fact, that's the whole point of this class, is two mitzvahs. Ukshartom la'is al yodecho. You should tie them as a sign on your hand. And they should be a, however you translate, they usually translate, as frontlets, whatever that means, uh, between your eyes. Okay. So, and that's the source of the mitzvah, plural, uh, of tefillin. The tefillin, uh, is what we call tefillin of the head, and then there's the shel yad. Shatim lois al yodecha. Al yodecha doesn't mean you know on your palm. It means on your arm next to your heart. Okay. <coughs> so a couple of things. A couple of things. First question is how come these mitzvahs, which are so similar, putting on head fill and putting on hand tefillin, are described with different verbs. A mitzvah is an action, right? A mitzvah is a, is a doing. You do a mitzvah. They're, they're described with different verbs. When it comes to the hand tefillin, which goes corresponding to the heart, we say, you should tie them or bind them as a sign. And then when we say about the head tefillin, they should be. They should be as frontlets between your eyes. You see, you catch the difference. Okay. And it's not just different verbs. 
they're, they're totally different kinds of verbs because kshartom is an action that you do. It's, it's active. You tie it. You do the tying. Vahoyula teitofes beninecha is actually describing the tefillin, the head tefillin, that they should be, not that you did anything to them, but they should be frontlets between your eyes. Yeah, you following? Should it, is it that it should bring out an emotion from you? We're going to get to this. We're going to get to this. But first, try to understand the, the difference in the way that the wording of the Pasuk describes these two mitzvahs. Because seemingly they're very similar. And you would think you'd find one verb that would describe both, that would say, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, the tefillin on the head, and same verb, the tefillin on the hand. Okay. Isn't it different actions, though, the way you put them on? Uh, you're saying because the, technically the this, way you put one is, one is like this, and one's like this. Yeah, yeah. but ultimately, the, I mean, they're pretty similar things. You're putting them on. You know, in, in English, we don't use two, we'd ask somebody, did you put on tefillin? We don't use two different actions. We don't even break it up. We don't even say, did you, did you, did you tie on the hand tefillin? And did you allow the head tefillin to be on your head? Like, we don't, we don't do that. We don't talk that way. And, and yet... It seems that, that, that the tefillin should cause something. That's what it sounds like. So, let, let me ask you another question. The Rambam also sticks with these words. So clearly these words are not just, uh, I mean, nothing in Torah is, is by accident. But clearly these words are important. The Rambam, when the Rambam describes these mitzvahs, in the Minyan mitzvahs, in Mishnah Torah, the Rambam says not only that they're two separate mitzvahs, which we know, but describes them, as one of them is that you should tie the hand tefillin on your hand or next to your heart, and then there should be head tefillin on your head. Okay, so first of all, he sticks with those verbs. Another thing is, though, that he switches the order. He switches the order because in the Pasuk, in the verse... We say, You should tie the hand tefillin, and there should be the head tefillin. So he sticks with the verbs, but then he flips the order. And he says, there are two mitzvahs. One is, there should be head tefillin on your head, and you should tie hand tefillin on your hand. So if he's being a stickler for how the verse says it, why is he switching the order, which is a you know a pretty obvious change from the way the Torah says it? Following all this, okay. So to understand this, we're going to learn some basic Tanya. Many of you learned Tanya with me, so it won't be uh, new. It'll be a review. One of the basic ideas in Tanya, which is what you're getting at. Oh, yeah? yeah, of course. You didn't know you were saying Tanya. <laughs> of course. No, it just seemed like it should, it should bring about something. That's what it sounds to me like. Two different things. Hamayach shalat alalev. 
right? This is one of the, the terms, one of the phrases that we use a lot in Tanya. Hamoyach shalat the brain rules over the heart. The whole Tanya, well, the Alter Rebbe wrote the Tanya called it Sefer Shalbaninim, is, is, is about this person who is a Bainini, he's in between a Tzaddik and a Rasha. That behaviorally he's a Tzaddik because he has impeccable impulse control. But internally, internally, he's like a Rasha, meaning he's beset with the same taivas and temptations and distractions and confusion, just like a Russia. But behaviorally, he never, he never gives in. And the Altarab explains why is he able to do that, or rather I should say, how is he able to do that? Because Because the Abishta created the human being in such a way that the brain rules over the heart. And the brain rules over the heart means a couple of different things. And if you learn tiny with me, you know that. And uh, won't get into a whole exposition on it now. But let, let's just take one approach to explain the brain rules over the heart. Brain rules over the heart means like this. I can't control what I feel. I feel what I feel. You know, sometimes people like to say in sort of like a harsh way, feelings aren't facts. That's true. Feelings aren't facts. But it is a fact that you have a certain feeling. That's just a fact. So we have feelings. And sometimes, I got news for you, our feelings are not the ones we would like to be having. We have feelings that we wish we didn't have. We hate what we wish we didn't hate. And we love what we wish we didn't love. And that's a fact. That's just a fact. And you know the difference between repression and suppression. So I'm saying from, from a psychological point of view. So... <clears throat> there's, there's, there's something that you are so um, ashamed of that you won't even admit that you have it. So that's called repression. You don't even know that you're repressing it because you can't even admit you have it. Then there's suppression, which is, you know, every time that you cover your mouth before you cough, that's suppression. It's impulse control. So you're making a conscious choice that, hey, you know what? It's okay that I have this impulse, but... I'm going to choose how I express or don't express this impulse. So we have all types of feelings. And unless you're a tzaddik, it's pretty much par for the course that a lot of your feelings are going to be feelings that are not alpitoido. They're just not holy. They're not wholesome. They're not, they're not things that you wish you had, but, but you do. You do have them. That's what it is. That's life. See, a tzaddik... Dafka tzadikim libam bereshusam. Dafka tzadikim, their heart is under their control. They can choose to only love what's worthy of love. But uh, if, if you're not a tzadik, what's a tzadik? A tzadik is like Davod Melech, who said, My heart is dead within me. My heart means the temptations, the desires, the lusts of the heart. And the Gemara tells us, he killed it with fasting. He did a whole program of how to rid himself, not just of, uh, on a behavioral level of anything undesirable, but even on an emotional level, that his emotions should be completely pristine. Okay? And that's called a tzaddik. But anyone else, you're going to have certain emotions that you wish you didn't have. 
So what do you do about it? Well, to a certain extent, you accept it. You accept, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to the professor who taught the most popular course of all time in Harvard. He's an Israeli guy, originally Israeli, named Tal Ben Shachar. And he wrote a whole book, he wrote many books actually, on happiness. And he, he specialized in the study, the academic study of happiness. And he taught a course at Harvard on happiness. So somebody arranged that I should speak with him about uh, Tanya and its intersection with what current uh, secular studies about happiness have to, have to say on the subject. And uh, so we had a very nice discussion. It's actually, I, I should get that video. It's not on Soul Words. I'm not even sure where the video ended up. But it was a very interesting Zoom discussion that we had uh, a few months ago during, you know, uh, we still didn't have live classes. So it must, must have maybe half a year ago. I'm not sure. But anyways, um, so one of the things we're discussing is he said that part of happiness is to accept that you are going to feel unhappy. Like, he didn't use these words, but sometimes I've heard people formulate it as being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's definitely true, and even in a moral context, Tanya would advise us to be tolerant of your own moral failings on an emotional level. That's very important. And it's very important, I'm saying on an emotional level. If you have a feeling that is against Torah, be tolerant of that because that is the human condition. Do not condemn yourself for that. That is how God made you. In fact, I could even go further and say, celebrate the fact that when you have an unwholesome desire, you are actually being given the opportunity to be mekayem a mitzvah, to perform a, 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 a commandment, which is, There's a, it's, We say it in the Shema. That do not stray after your eyes and your heart, that you go lusting after. So like the Tanya explains in chapter 27, tzaddikim can't even do that mitzvah because they don't have the temptation in the first place. But if you're tempted by something that's forbidden by Torah, and then you catch yourself and say, no, I'm not going to do it, I'm not even going to fantasize about it, so that's important because thought is also a behavior albeit one that we engage in, in, in our own heads. But I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fantasize about it. I, I accept the fact that I was attracted to it. That's just, that's out of my hands. That's out of my, I don't control my feelings. But I'm rejecting it on a behavioral level, even the behavior called willful thinking, which is an important point. So, so Talbin Shachar was saying, part of happiness is being tolerant of the fact that a human being is going to inevitably experience a gamut of emotions. And the, the, the Tanya is saying essentially the same thing. Even, even the Chiddush is, even in a moral context, there could be a moral person, meaning a person who wants to do the right thing and, and believes in the divinity of Torah and that every mitzvah that Torah gives us is, is Hashem telling us how to live our lives. So obviously fulfilling the entire Torah is incredibly important to this person. And yet at the same time, you might call it a paradox. I don't think it's even paradoxical once you understand it properly. 
that as much as I realize how much uh, I want to fulfill every mitzvah, I'm totally tolerant of the fact that on an emotional level, again, I'm going to stress the term emotional level, on an emotional level, I may, not not I may, inevitably I will have emotions that run counter to what Taylor wants me to do. And it's okay. Why? Because the brain rules the heart. So I don't have to try to accomplish this impossible goal of ridding my heart of any temptation. I'm not going to become a tzaddik. I'm not going to become Dovin But what I can do, and I must do, this is the important part, I must do, what I am obligated to do, is to monitor the feelings of my heart and on an intellectual level, on a conscious level, be a chooser. Choose which desires I'm going to give space to. You know, there's a famous story about a Jew went to the Mizritcha Magid, and he says he has problems with stray thoughts, distracting thoughts, unwholesome thoughts, and he wants advice how to deal with it. So the, the Magid said, go to my Talmud Rebzev, who lives in Jitomer. So this Jew had never been to Jitomer, he'd never met Rebzev, but he was told by the Magid to go to Jitomer and find Rebzev. So he went, and they didn't have addresses at that time, he just sort of described the house, and eventually people showed him where it was. It was Erev Shabbos. He arrived in town Erev Shabbos, Friday afternoon before, before sundown. So he's looking around. He doesn't know anyone in Jitomer. And the only, the only house, the only address he knows, quote-unquote address, is this Rebzev, who he's never met. But he was sent by Rebzev's own, own Rebbe, so he figures that's good enough uh, uh, credentials. So he, he finds the house, Erev Shabbos, getting close to Shabbos, and he's knocking on the door, and nobody's answering. He knocks some more, nobody's answering. He knocks some more, nobody's answering. So, uh, he hears people inside the house. I mean, you ever heard a Jewish house out of Shabbos? There's hustle and bustle. He knows there's people inside, and he, but he can't get anyone to answer the door. He keeps knocking and knocking and knocking. It's getting close to Shabbos. He realizes he's got his pekalach, he's got his you know, packages. He can't just... He's got to go somewhere. He's got to go before sundown. He's got to put his stuff away. Can't carry on Shabbos. So, eventually, it's getting so close to sundown, he's pounding on the door, nobody's answering. He just grabs his stuff and he goes to shul and he puts his stuff down in shul and he sleeps in shul like with the other, you know, uh, homeless people. So uh, after Shabbos, somebody comes over to him and introduces himself. He says, oh, you're a, a, a guest in our town. Yeah, come to my house. My, my, you know, my name is Rebzev. He says, Rebzev, you know, you should tell me. He realizes this is, this is the guy. So he takes him to his house and he makes a dollar for him and they have malava malka and they, and they talk and it's very nice. It's very, very pleasant. And uh, after a while, though, this guy is like, so it's bothering him. Like, here's all this hospitality here Saturday night, but Friday afternoon when I needed it, you, you, you ignored me. So finally he just says it. You know, it's the elephant in the room. So he just says, he says listen, your Rebbe, the, the Magid, sent me to you to learn how to handle stray thoughts. You're sp- you were supposed to teach me how to handle my stray thoughts. And, and, and I came to town. I didn't know anyone else. And uh, you didn't answer the door. And I heard, I heard you Friday afternoon. I heard you running around inside the house. I heard there's people in the house and, and you didn't answer. And it basically made me homeless for Shabbos. I had to sleep in the shul. And you were supposed to teach me how to deal with stray thoughts. So Rebzev says to this guy, how to deal with stray thoughts? That was the first thing I taught you when you arrived in Jitomer. 
just because there's a knock at the door doesn't mean that I have to open it. That was the first lesson. Just because there's a knock at the door doesn't mean you have to open it. You want to know how to control stray thoughts? That's your answer. Let's break it down. In other words, the knock at the door means impulses that are going to try to get your attention. And we cannot control who knocks at the door, how often they knock at the door, how loudly they knock at the door. We don't control that. You know, I don't want to speak outside of my expertise, and I, I have to be careful. Whenever I reference mental health, people assume that I, I know these things, and I don't. I always say as a disclaimer, I don't know these things. My father's a psychologist, and I rebelled and became a rabbi, so I really don't know these things. But to, my, to the, the extent of my understanding, you know, there's, there's something um, called intrusive thoughts, which we all have. We all have intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts could be something that comes to your mind that you find morally repugnant. And, and, and why am I thinking of this thing? Like, I, I, it, it outrages me. I'm appalled by it. Or something that's, like, dangerous. Like, you're driving down the road and you're like, what would happen if I would just fly off the, you know, purposely turn my wheel and go fly? Not that the person is, God forbid, suicidal. Just has this ridiculous thought. What if I would just go flying off the road? Those are called intrusive thoughts. What happens very often, and again, please don't take my words so, you know, with, uh, don't rely on them so much. This is just a rabbi's understanding of it. But, you know, with, with obsessive thinking <clears throat> is that a person actually becomes caught in a loop where they are disturbed by the fact that they're having the intrusive thoughts. So, like, in other words, what's the difference between a functional person and a dis, I don't want to call it a dysfunctional person, but a person who's suffering from a certain dysfunction, the extent to which they just let the intrusive thoughts roll by, which is basically what most of us do all the time. Um, but then there's a person who becomes so upset about the fact that I even had that intrusive thought that uh, they start fighting it. And that here's the thing. It, 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 that would be like saying, I'm going to ensure that nobody that I don't want to knock at my door will ever knock at my door ever again. Well, like, good luck. You're going to make yourself miserable. I'm going to make, make up a plan. What are you going to do? How are you going to make a plan that nobody you don't want knocking at your door should ever, not knock, at you, should ever knock at your door ever again? They're going to knock at your door. That is not, not under your control. But what you can control is if you answer it. If you answer it. So, what's, what's the idea here? The heart is, is, the heart is, you know, the heart's going to feel what it feels. And it's going to knock at the door. It's going gonna, it's gonna to ask for your attention. It's going to say, hey, let's think. Let's, let's fantasize. Let's plan. Let's scheme. And, and that's inevitable. And, and then each and every time, you know, like, a, you know, the whack-a-mole, boom, 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 you know, those little guys, the gophers, you got to hit them down. Okay, and every time it pops up, bam, you got to hit it down. Okay? So our obligation to control our emotions is on a case-by-case -case basis. We never win the war. We just diffuse each situation as it comes up because that's the nature of the heart. So do we control our hearts? Eh, you know, to the extent that we have to win each battle. But no, not to the extent that we can make sure that our hearts should never feel anything that we don't want them to feel ever again. However, in contrast, when it comes to the mind, you are responsible for your mind on a whole different level then you're responsible for your heart. For your heart, it's inevitable that bad stuff is going to come up and you're going to have to knock it down. 
with your mind, you're in control of your mind. It is your job to go out and learn the proper way to look at life and not to be confused and not to have wrong values. Go educate yourself. Go get some clarity. You know, take a class. Come to a class. Educate yourself and know the right thing and then use your mind to always focus on the right thing and at least, see, here's the thing. At least when my heart is coming to me with something inappropriate, my mind is able to immediately identify this as something that's not for me. So at no point is my mind as confused as my heart, where my mind is saying, well, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the worst thing when the mind starts to rationalize. We've said this before in this class, rationalize is rational lies. It's where the mind, this is the worst thing, where the mind starts using intellect to justify what the heart already is set on. That's the worst thing. And, 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 and I'm responsible not to do that, to not do that. So if my heart lusts after things that are, in, that are, that are inappropriate, okay, join the human race. But if my mind gets confused, that's a bigger problem. I'm not supposed, my mind is not supposed to be confused. You know, there was once a young man, he went to Levi Yitzchak Berdichever. Levi Yitzchak Berdichever, for all of, you, all of you who don't know, was the great uh, defender of the Jewish people. He would always find a defense. No matter what somebody was doing, he would, def he would find a defense. And um, so one time, this young man came to Levi Yitzchak Berdichever and he said, I need a tikkun because uh, he was a young man, he had a girlfriend, and he said, we, we did something. And uh, the Levi Yitzchak Berdichever said, uh, you know, some, some type of words, it was, or about, about to say some type of words of, of, of comfort or of tikkun or a path of tshuva. And the guy says, but wait, 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 I want to just add one thing. And the guy was like proud of this. He says, I want you to know, it's not as bad as it could have been because we did Shiva Nikiyam. We did seven days waiting. We used mikvah. So Levi Yitzchak his whole demeanor changed and he said, ah, in that case I can't help you. Now, in case you think the guy didn't get a tikkun, Levi Yitzchak told him, go see my mechutin, the Balatanya, and he'll give you a tikkun. And that's what happened. The guy went to the Alter Rebbe, and the Alter Rebbe gave him a tikkun. What tikkun the Alter Rebbe gave him, I don't know, but I'm assuming it had something to do with Mayach Shalt <laughs> Why couldn't Levi Yitzchak give this guy a tikkun? In other words, when he told him, I didn't Aveda. Levi Yitzchak was ready to find a way to fix it. But then he says, well, it's not as bad as you think it is. And it, no, actually, it's worse. Because if you told me that your heart, you know what they call it, a crime of passion, right? That your heart just got carried away. All right, you're not supposed to let your heart take you to the point where you actually do something. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a sin. A sin is a sin. But I can find, there's a way to deal with that because at the end of the day, what did the heart do other than what hearts do? It just went too far. It got to the point where it got you to do something you shouldn't do. But if you tell me that for seven days your brain was thinking about this and calculating it and you had enough 
peace of mind to sit and figure this out. It's like, you know, it's like it says about uh, the Akedah. Why did, why, did, why did Hashem tell Avram to take Yitzchak to a mountain that was three days away? Why not just do it right there? Why? To get, so that nobody should be able to say that he was so confused, he was so in shock that he just did it when he heard it. No, three days, cooling off period. Meaning he had three days to sort of think this thing through and say, like, what? This is what I'm doing? In this case, it was seven days. So here's the deal. The whole point of tefillin, and it says this in Shulchan Aruch. This is not a Kabbalistic thing. It says it in Shulchan Aruch. That when you put on tefillin, you're supposed to have a kavana. What's the kavana? What you're supposed to have in mind? Shibud hamayach v'halev. To subjugate the heart and the mind. That you're being mishabed. You're subjugating the heart and the mind to Hashem. Subjugation means you're putting it under Hashem's will. Okay, what does that mean? It means two different things depending if it's the mind or the heart. If it's the heart, then it's ukshartum la'is al yadecha. All you can be expected to do is, a, is an act. Ukshartum, an act. Meaning every time the heart wants something it shouldn't want, so you respond to it. Basically putting out fires. That's just, that's, that's life for someone who's not a tzaddik. The desire arises, and you push it away. You know, there's a knock at the door, and you ignore it. Each time, each and every time. Ukshartam. And in fact, that's your only obligation. The real obligation of putting on the tefillin on the hand, which corresponds to the heart, is just to put it on. That's it. Once you put it on, there's no, there's no mitzvah to leave it on. The only reason we leave it on is because the whole time you have your head filling on, you're supposed to also have your hand filling on. So we leave it on because of the head filling. But really, the hand filling, the mitzvah is to put it on. Just like with the heart, the mitzvah is the act of rejecting the unwholesome emotion, and that's it. But you're not expected to gain control to the point where it is, it is in a state of being under control. No, it's not in a state of being under control. It's constantly poking its head up and you're swatting it down. However, in contrast, when it comes to the, the head filling, it should be. It should just be. It should be that way. The shibud amoyach, the subjugation of your mind to Hashem's will, should be that way. It should be in a state of subjugation to Hashem's will. So two very different levels of obligation. With the heart, you have to get it under control, and then a minute later, get it under control again, and a minute later, get it under control again. Because each and every act is a separate act. With, with, the, the, with the head... It should just be that way. It should be in a constant state of subjugation to God's will. You're not supposed to be confused. You can be emotionally uh, tempted. That's normal. But you're not supposed to be intellectually confused. And if you are, it's your, it's your job to stop being confused. And now we understand why the Rambam sticks with the verbs and he switches the order also. Because when the Rambam teaches us the mitzvahs, he doesn't go in the order how they come up in the Torah. Otherwise, he would do like the Sefer HaChinuch and go like according to each, parsha, each, each parsha. He doesn't go according to that. The Rambam has a different order. The Rambam's order, uh, especially in Sefer Ahava, which is the, the, the book of mitzvahs that we do to show our love for Hashem, like saying Shema and davening, and included that is, is putting on tefillin. Um, 
he goes according to what is tadir, what is more common, what, or frequent, I should say, what is more constant. So, the, what is more um, tadir, what is more constant? You're supposed to have the head fillin on. It's supposed to just be on. So that's more constant. The hand fillin, you just put it on. The mitzvah is you put it on for a second. So he puts the head fillin as a mitzvah before the hand fillin, even though the order in Torah is the hand fillin comes before the head fillin. In other words, think about it like this. How long are you supposed to have your head under control? All the time. Always. How long? For how long are you supposed to have your heart under control? <laughs> as long as it lasts. As long as it lasts. And then when it gets out of control again, so get it back under control. Because we know that if you're not a tzaddik, there's a constant maintenance required of getting the heart under control. But the mind is supposed to be under control all the time. <laughs>